The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. It is the mixtape of NFC East. He is Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. I am RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys, your home for Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles coverage at SB Nation. This is the NFC East mixtape. We talk about the NFC East, but today we're talking all about ourselves, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and nobody knows how to talk about themselves better than BLG. What up? That's definitely true. RJ, I have a smile on my face. The listeners can't see because they're listening to this on audio and not a video platform. We're not streaming, but we should probably in the future. That's a whole different topic. Um, I'm smiling because I have a question for you, RJ. Mm. You know, I, I always posit that you're secretly an Eagles fan because mm. all Eagles fans like you. So there must be something to that. I'm just RJ, a charming person. Tell, well, I want you to tell people, RJ, what is your favorite color? Oh, I, I see. This is interesting. Uh, because I said on Monday Football Monday, uh, which is the best show on the SB Nation NFL show, go subscribe to that feed as well. You can hear me on Mondays and Thursdays, BLG only on Tuesdays. He doesn't want to do a lift of two shows a week, you know, not as uh, noble of a person as I am. Uh, then my favorite color is green. I, you know, mm, interesting. Yeah. I actually, though, um, this is a little off topic. I sent BLG a, a message right before we started recording that was a blue heart and a green heart, the emojis. I actually really hate that color green. Um, I really actually like forest green when I was, uh, like when I was getting a first, my first car, I really wanted a forest green Jeep and I never got that. So my takeaway here is that you are indeed a, you're a sleeper Eagles fan. So you don't know about it. You can't admit to it because you don't know about it. It's kind of like one day I'm going to say a word or I'm going to like snap my fingers or something uh, and like hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Like a Manchurian candidate kind of thing. So yeah, looking forward to that. What's your favorite color? My favorite color is probably black. Mm. Yeah, that needed some silence. (laughs) Just a a stew. Um, This is not a joke. Do you know what Dak Prescott's favorite color is? I don't. I'm surprised you didn't see this when it was floating around. He was on, pardon my take, uh, it was like two years ago now. And they were, he was not giving them anything because I'm sure you've heard Dak do an interview. He's pretty Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Um, and so, uh, he wasn't giving him anything. So they're just throwing like, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? Whatever. And so they ask him his favorite color. And he says, uh, gray. And they were just like gray. And so so his favorite color is gray. Apparently gray is like the antithesis of color. (laughs) I know. Um, I, 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 I really don't. 
I can't explain that. Black is like the absence of color, but gray is the anti- that is a great point. It's the antithesis of color. So, um, what's, your, what's your favorite dinner? An empty plate. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like um, like oatmeal. You know what I mean? Like like slop. What the Big Brother house guests eat when they're on punishment. Um, but okay. Anyway, uh, this episode we are focusing on the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East, the teams that will finish in first and second in the NFC East this particular season. And next week, we will have some friends on to talk about the New York Giants and the Washington football team. Um, so, BLG uh, Eagles are practicing with the New York Jets this week. So, the best quarterback around is Zach Wilson. The second best quarterback played for the Jets last year in Joe Flacco. Um, what do you mean by best and second best? What are you talking about here? No love I don't for Jalen Hurts, your guy? It was, it was my way of, of introducing the topic. I actually think the, the Jets' new uniforms that are now a couple years old, mm. I like that green a lot. I, I, like, I like the color of the helmet a lot. That's my preferred type of green. So I feel like there's always an issue with this when people do like those, you know, mock-ups of fake uniforms. I'm sure you see that for Cowboys stuff too. I'm sure you see a lot of that because Cowboys uniforms aren't good. But uh, for the Eagles, people are always doing that with Kelly Green and stuff or different variations. And sometimes they're doing stuff that looks like straight up just like Jets jerseys. And it's like, guys, like this can't be the jersey because this is like basically a Jets jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's in my head. Uh, Yeah, but I don't know how we're getting from this to actually what's going on, but Sure, the Eagles were practicing against the Jets, RJ, at the Jets facility in Florham Park, New Jersey. It's North Jersey. Some people will tell you it's not North Jersey, like Diana Rossini, who had an issue with that. We talked about this on BGN Radio. For our listeners listening to the BGN Radio podcast feed, you've already heard that debate. It is in North Jersey. But yeah, um, it's interesting, RJ, because the Eagles have looked better than the teams they've faced in these joint training camp practices that includes the Patriots twice last week and the Jets so far, which really should be expected. I like if you're not looking better than the Jets, that's concerning. We talk about this being the team tied with the Giants for the fewest wins in the NFL since 2017. I would hope you're better than that group. Uh also just because like who are the star players on the Jets? Like who are the who like can you name RJ 10 Jets players off of the top of your head? Like 10? Um, yeah, and, and let's say not Carl Lawson because he's not even practicing right now because he's hurt. So you can't include him. Um, Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Michael Carter, Makai um, Becton. Yeah, that's like a gimmick. Um, Denzel Mims. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really murderous row here. Um, yeah, see? You, yeah, you it's, it, gets, it gets that. tough. I, I don't think I've even named a defensive player yet. So Marcus May is a, that's is right. A Marcus. Yeah. But like, okay. yeah, it's not a good team is the point. So the Eagles should be looking better than the Jets. And they did on the first day so far. Um, I think Jalen Hurts, you know, has still kind of been overall who he has been in training camp. I think he's kind of been better in terms of he was kind of more really up and down the start. And now he's kind of been trending towards better, still up some ups and downs. Um, but yeah, I think overall. It's interesting though, RJ, because they're three and zero in these practices. If you want to count, if you want to count those as wins or whatever, but they're zero and two in the preseason, and they have the worst point differential in the NFL right now through two preseason games. So that's really inflated like, by last week, though. That's like that's a little unfair. Yeah, but that matters. They got freaking they got their butts kicked really bad. Does that really matter? You're putting a lot of stock in this. <sighs> It's it matters more than not at all because some of those players, RJ, are going to be on the team this year. Like it's not. Does it mean everything? No. But does it mean nothing? Also, no. There's somewhere in between those two extremes. Or do well, you not think so? See, 
I, I don't know. I mean, because it's like it's it's not even situational. You know what I mean? Every, everything is completely random and completely whatever. It's like, let's go for it. Let's not, you know what I mean? Like, let's try this. Like, it's experimental. That's probably the better word for it. And so, fine. It is a non-zero point of matter, but it is pretty minimal in my mind. The Eagles have been outscored 52 to zero in their last six preseason quarters. You don't think that's anything? Like, no, because the Baltimore Ravens are 19 and 0 in their last 19 preseason games, and I don't think that's anything either. But they're a good team each year. No, I don't think that means everything, and I don't think that necessarily guarantees they're a good team. Um, because you're you're playing different teams. Like I don't mean playing against different teams. Like you are literally fielding different teams throughout a preseason game. You know what I mean? It's difficult to. And so maybe the more discouraging thing would be that the primary Eagles offense and defense are not able to carry their water. But so maybe they would just lose games like, you know, 20 to zero. You know what I mean? Like, so it'd be a little bit less embarrassing is my point. I don't think that Ravens have had a losing season since that streak started. They, they, they did have a 5-11 well, season. I don't think they've ever had a losing season under John Harbaugh. Uh, they, they were 5-11 and 11 in 2019. Oh, in like... Tw- oh, Wow. Uh, but, that, but besides that one year, yeah, they haven't really had a losing season. Before that, you had to go back to twenty-seven or 2007. Um, Which was the year before he was hired, away from the Eagles. Right. So uh, so you're saying preseason doesn't matter at all. Eagles fans shouldn't be worried. Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. That's what you're saying right now. No, I'm saying that there are things to be – I think there's a reason for optimism with just about every team. I think that there are definitely teams in the NFL – that have no reason for optimism right now. I think the Houston Texans kind of lead the way there. I think last week the New York Jets felt like that, but Zach Wilson looks really good. And, you know, so that like reinvigorates your level of optimism. I think the Eagles are kind of in the, you know, they're in the middle of the pack. Like there's reasons to be optimistic is probably the wrong word. It's a really interesting experiment this whole season like there are reasons to be curious is is what i would say because like what's jalen hurts gonna look like what's nick sirianni gonna look like what's Devontae smith gonna look like what's you know how are these veterans who were part of the team that won the super bowl going to fade out and into the twilight of their careers like is this the last you know year and enjoyment of certain players like i don't know fletcher cox or whatever like and some of those yeah yeah like zach Ertz. even though like Mm -hmm. it it was thought that last year was that so it's, it's a this is a really um, I, to me, this is kind of like uh, it's a transition year, like the owner said, right? N- no, you know, but like you know, what I was, I, I think I've used this analogy before somewhere. But when I was in high school, I mentioned the car that I didn't have to drive. But uh, one night, all my friends, you know, because you, you would like the only place you could ever go in high school was the movies. We went to the movies, and I some I didn't know what movie we were going to watch, but they were like, "Just come, whatever." We go, and they're like, "We're going to watch this movie." And I didn't, I had never heard of it. Whatever, we sit down, we watch it. It was forgetting Sarah Marshall. It was so funny, and I went into it like with completely zero expectations. And I'm not saying that the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles season is the forgetting Sarah Marshall of football seasons, but you know, like I don't think it's like doom and gloom is my point. Well, there is something to it being lower expectations or no expectations because a typical Eagle season in my mind in recent years has been like, all right, Carson Wentz, he might be the MVP. The Eagles, they might be going to the Super Bowl again. Like, you know, there's there's always the hype. And I think really fans don't like that. At least what I see a lot on Twitter and with your nation in the comments, everyone's like, no, like they don't like the articles. They're like, oh, the Eagles have the best this, this and this. Like, no, it's too much hype. It's too much hype. But the funny thing about that is like, okay, but do you really want to be in a position where you're not getting any? 
because like i mean yes they do just because the expectations are low but then there's a reason those expectations are low it's not just like it's not just for the sake of it and you're totally disrespected there's some merit to it so i think there is something relieving and freeing about this not being an all-in kind of year and it really isn't when uh, i talked about this recently on bg and radio rj that but to kind of set the table here too for cowboys fans kind of framing the eagle season for them uh this isn't a year where they're trying to do everything they possibly can like a normal year to win a championship so if they were i would agree with people out there right now who think the eagles need to add a veteran wide receiver but like it's not about that it's not trying to maximize the wins in 2021 it's about this year is about like fact finding it's about finding who are our long-term pieces and we want to win along the way ideally like is the goal but it's not win at, like at the every cost like keep these veteran players and and that would be in other years and i would not criticize the team for doing that in other years like play the best players like you can't worry about the future too much you have to focus everything you can on winning as much as you can this year but it isn't that year this year the owner said as much and i think that's the situation they're in yeah i actually think that's a really fair way to frame the entire season to me i think you'll like this analogy maybe better than uh, the forgetting sir marshall one uh blg and i both are big fans of survivor it's coming back soon pretty pumped like a month right yeah, yeah. so um if you don't know how survivor works pretend you do so people that are part of the jury, which decides who wins the game, they are obviously voted off and voted out of the tribe and they get to go shower and eat and stuff. And that's really nice, you know, so like you're, the misery you're in ends and they get to return to tribal council every time they have it. So they get to be a part of the game and listen and hear and assess and analyze whatever they know that they're not going to win the game. But they're just there to gather information. It's a fact-finding mission. That's who the Eagles are. But and, and a lot of times, fan favorites get invited back for future seasons, whatever the case may be. That's who I think the Eagles are this season. They're a, a survivor contestant that has already been voted off. All right, They're not winning the million-dollar prize. Jeff Probst isn't going to be congratulating them on finale night. But... They will be because you can always tell like there are people who you're like, that person's coming back on a future season. They're that person and they get to go to tribal council and gather all the information. That's who the Eagles are. Yeah, there is freedom in that. Yeah. There is liberty in that. Ironically, with the Liberty Bell and everything. Did you know Liberty Bell is in Pennsylvania? Uh, I did, RJ. I mm, did know right. that. Yes, I think many people knew that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, where do you want me to go off of this at this point? What, what, what an analogy? <laughs> I don't even know if I understood this. All. My, defer, I think you did. Uh, for perspective here, it's seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. I have been up for twelve plus thirteen, thirteen and a half hours. Um, did a lot of driving. I'm making excuses here. Mm-hmm. Um, so bad job by me. But look, uh, I'm fried. So, <laughs> but that's kind that's of who the Eagles were, right? Like yeah, that because that, like that's another analogy. Like the Eagles were... is an analogy to you, <laughs> but like. The Eagles were that team last year. Like when the season ended, and that's why like the week 17 stuff was so funny as a Cowboys fan, because it was like, you know, like every football fan understands it and what was happening there. But it's like, this team is so dysfunctional that every single thing that happens to them is funny because they're just a mess. And so there is a restart. You know what I mean? This is, you know, the beginning. And you're right. Like this team isn't going to compete severely but i i do really seriously think it's possible they could finish as high as second in the division i totally see that i mean obviously that goes with jalen hurts and i feel like we haven't really learned a ton 
about him to justify an opinion one way or another so far in the preseason. But I feel like he's at least looked like he belongs. And and that in itself is a victory. Yeah, I think the floor with Jalen Hurts is relatively like hot. I mean, I don't know. Like, I still think he could be one of the worst starters in the league. I don't think like that path is impossible. But I think based on what we've seen out of him in camp, I don't think he like that's the most likely outcome. I don't think he's going to be totally awful. Like like some players, RJ, are like bad in a way that is like extremely noticeable. Like your boy Nathan Peterman, who <laughs> is just going to throw a ton of picks when uh, he's really bad. Like some players are just so noticeable when they're struggling. Like I don't think he's that kind of player. I think some of his struggles come from like they, they won't be magnified as much because let's just take today, for example, in practice. There are multiple reps where Jalen Hurts held onto the ball too long and now obviously in a practice setting the quarterback can't actually get sacked so especially it doesn't look bad then because on a number of plays actually the quarterback will still throw the ball after mm-hmm. they get quote unquote sacked in practice so uh it's kind of funny to me because you see people out here like uh charting training camp stats which i think is fine but like i think a lot of people see those stats that get put out there and like read into them way too much it's like Jalen Hurts got sacked today, but like someone's going to put him down for a completion that he had, but it wasn't a real completion because he got sacked and he's holding on to the ball for too long. So, yeah, I, I think like his mistakes aren't necessarily going to be like these back breaking interceptions and everything. And like, oh, if he struggles, it's going to look like this total disaster. I think it's going to come in the form of almost maybe like a Teddy Bridge- Bridgewater where like Teddy isn't so awful that like, wow, how does this guy even mm-hmm. start in the league? Like he should be out of the league, but like, He's just not good enough where you're actually winning anything meaningful. So I think that's kind of the concern with Hertz. Is it uh, is it is fair that- to say his ceiling? Is, and I I don't mean this in an offensive way. I've been really kind this episode. I think I deserve a lot of props. Uh, <laughs> so it's um, his ceiling is Derek Carrish, because that mm. like like Derek Carr in his optimum environment, circa 2016, you know, is a is a franchise quarterback and like the definition of it. Now that's a different story that you know a different point that you and i have discussed with, about Derek carr on this nation nfl show but like i could i can see that path like because i think you know we're at the time of year um you know everyone's talking like win totals and over-unders and whatever and so like you know there's odds to win divisions and whatever i can't see a path where the eagles win the NFCs. i can't see a path where you know they win 14 games or whatever but i can see a path it's it's legitimately possible and not in only in the sense that literally anything is possible, but it's legitimately possible that Jalen could have that kind of resurgence this season and become become a guy that becomes difficult to walk away from because he's close enough to mystify. I think the name that I think of and I saw this recently and I think it kind of clicked for me was like Terod Taylor, basically, but like at his peak, you know, not know who Terod Taylor mm. is now. Like when Terod Taylor like was at his very best, which wasn't amazing, but it was pretty good. Like especially, at least it was for where the Bills were for a long time and not having a quarterback. So like like 2017 Bills is what you're talking about. Yeah, like that kind of team. I think that's actually yeah, a good comp. So like like this fun kind of scrappy. I mean, again, it's a different tech context here because for the Bills, like they were fun because they hadn't been to the playoffs and like freaking forever and it didn't you know haven't won anything ever or mm-hmm. you know as the eagles they're, they're still the super bowl victory in the rearview mirror um so a little different in that sense but still i think the, the eagles could be viewed as like this fun scrappy team like oh look they're better than people expected but they're like not actually good 
and they're mm. kind of like winning games because they're taking advantage of some like some you know weaker competition and everything like the bills were at the time and people like really weren't taking them seriously like oh that's a cute fun story they're not like you know they're not gonna win a playoff game or if they do they're not gonna win more than one playoff game so i think that's kind of the ceiling for them and that could be kind of the, the most realistic outcome potentially i think of like the lions like the 2014 lions you know what i mean you know just like a team that's plucky um has some strengths you know i could see robbed in the playoffs yeah okay anyway um i actually my last take on this because this is just kind of a general check-in with the eagles and the cowboys and we'll do this next week with new york and washington um but the Jalen thing is so fascinating to me because i do think that this is an interesting social experiment for nfl teams because I mean, the, whether Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts to me will always be a success if if you're Howie Roseman, who, by the way, um, the athletic on Tuesday, BLG, yeah. you said you were busy, um, had a uh, survey um, with anonymous agents in the NFL, and they were asked various questions like, who's the best talent evaluator in the NFL? They were really high on Chris Ballard, and they asked who the worst one was, and the uh, person who got the most votes was Howie Roseman. So, uh, um, like in a row. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but so my, I truly believe this that the Jalen Hurts pick will always be a success for the Eagles franchise, even if he sucks, because it helped you, it, it helped you realize the truth faster, right? Like it accelerated mm. reality. And that's, that's something that, like, you know, like, no. is, Dude, because you would have never, no. you would have like they, the Eagles would have played this out with Carson forever. I mean, no. and it, no. you would have been trapped. The Eagles didn't move on from Carson Wentz because they believe in Jalen Hurts, or because they. I don't. No, no, Hurts I don't mean it. that. I don't mean that at all. But yeah. the what I think is, or, or the perception I think is that Jalen ha- gave them an. However, I mean, now I mean this in a literal sense, an out last year specifically, and and so he he was literally an out. And an option that you, they could sell, like to themselves, even right. Like, let's see what Jalen has, whatever. And so, my point with this, where I'm going, is like, say Tua isn't impressive this year again for Miami. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if you're Miami, you say, you know what, let's get our version of Jalen Hurts, not necessarily somebody that we believe in. I know that's a weird way to to, to like kind of set this up, but somebody who can who can give us that out, who can maybe provide some sort of test. I think that yeah. that's that's maybe Kellen Mond this year in Minnesota to a degree. Yeah, I think it's a little different though than what happened last year. I mean, obviously because Kirk is a loser and you're never winning anything with him, um, and a lot of his stats were in touchdown, or touchdown in garbage time. A lot of his touchdowns were in garbage time last year, as stats said on the Oddcast, which you can listen to on the SB Nation NFL show. They had a good sad about that yesterday. Um, I I think you're galaxy braining. You're like you're spending too much time around Howie Roseman, apparently, because like that's like his galaxy brain defense of the pick. No, the pick still didn't make sense. Um, not, I don't think I don't, it made sense, uh, but it, it is it is justifying in hindsight. That, that it is definitely doing that. I just I don't agree. I really don't agree. If Taylor Hurts is really good, I think it's more about a blind stroke of luck than it is like they had this great plan. Um, but we don't re- need to relitigate the whole Wentz thing. I just, I, I just don't think Hertz had a factor in the Eagles moving on from Wentz at all. I don't, I don't think he was any significant option. Like, like, oh, we should move on from Carson Wentz. Uh, but do we have faith in? Jill? It's like that wasn't even part of the equation. Mm. I just, it's really interesting, RJ. The, the last thing I'll say in Hertz here is I was thinking about this today as he had a press conference. He's he's such a likable guy. He really totally. is when you hear him press conference like he's like you can see how 
the Eagles valued certain aspects about him like as a leader that Carson Wentz very much didn't have and how like teammates actually like him and everything. But like, I just feel that like I, I, I've been covering the Eagles now, RJ for bleeding green nation specifically since 2013. I feel like by now I can kind of anticipate the discourse that's about to happen in the future because I've seen a lot and I, I can just so perfectly envision like Jalen Hurts kind of just being this in-between guy this year. He's not going to be awesome, and he's not going to be terrible. The Eagles are going to win, like, you know, they're going to be, like, 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and nine or something, and Jalen Hurts is going to, like, not totally suck, but not be, you know, he's, he's going to leave doubt that he is the yeah, guy. Yeah, and then they're stuck, and though, because if he shows any think, sign of promise, they're stuck. I, I, well, I think the Eagles standard, though, to be clear, is going to be they're not going to if they if the Eagles have any doubt, they're going to move on. I, I truly believe that. I don't think they're going to be stuck from the standpoint of they have those assets and I think they're going to be quicker to move on. But that is the Eagles and that is not Eagles fans. And I think Eagles fans, some of them are really going to fall in love with Jalen Hurts and I are already doing mm. that. Like I'll tweet out stuff or I'll write stuff that like Jalen Hurts didn't have the best practice today or he struggles. And then like people get mad at me. And because I get it though, because you're rallying around the starting quarterback, but like it's such a unique situation. Like I would just be, I'd be like, tell people like, be cautious. Like you're, don't go all in on this guy because like there's a very good chance he's not going to be the guy next year. I'm not saying don't root for him, but I'm just like, you have to kind of be cautious with that because like if you can root for him, but you have to like check yourself and recognize this might be like a one year starter for this team. Yeah, it's like um like a a a, a camp girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like you, you yeah, both have to, you, you, yeah, you both have to go home. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're from different parts of the world. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it, yeah, you just got to be careful. Um, <laughs> yep, this was, you know. this is, uh, this is a really weird conversation about the Eagles. Um, the one about the Cowboys promises to be equally as weird. We will have that after a break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I definitely did not mess up the throw to break and did not have that edited out at all. Rachel is the GOAT. Leave it in. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, time to talk some Cowboys. Where do you want to go, BLG? This is kind of an we open book. To. I mean, look, I was really – I, I was such a good friend, and I really you know, let you be honest and um, you know, vulnerable and talking about the Eagles. You know, it's, 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 you're welcome. I, this is a safe I, space. I do want to talk about the Cowboys because I feel like you need to have an intervention for RJ <sighs> for multiple reasons. First of all, I mean, the Dak thing. I mean, like I heard you talk about this on Monday Football Monday and how there's conflicting reports between Tom Pelissero, who clearly works for the league and has <laughs> league incentivized reporting and also as you did say was around mccarthy okay let me let me set the let me set the story up okay that just so everyone's clear um over the weekend on friday last friday night which 
every time I've told this story, I've made the same joke. It's a song by Katy Perry. Uh, but last Friday night, doing halftime of the Cardinals-Chiefs game, Adam Schefter jumps on and says, you know, Dak should start week one, but we don't know if he'll fully be back this season because of the lat strain. Um, okay, what does that mean? You know, just it's it's vague enough, ambiguous enough to, you know, he, he threw a, a bomb into a room and closed the door type thing. Um, and so on Saturday, after that news nugget gets aggregated and talked about and blown up and is the notification that everybody has on their phone, um, almost in response to your point, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network jumps to Twitter, says Dak has suffered no setbacks. He's completely on track to start week one. That was the day of the Cowboys' most recent preseason game. And the verbiage that he and the Cowboys had, Jerry had on his pregame uh, show, uh, was that if it was the game against the Buccaneers, he would have played that night, was everything everybody said. And what I mentioned was that Tom Pelissero was the insider who worked with Mike McCarthy on the McCarthy Project back uh, in the early days of 2020. He also had an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with both McCarthy and Dak simultaneously mm. while out in Oxnard, California. Nobody gets that interview, generally speaking. So my point with that was that he is very close to McCarthy. Yeah. Which, but obviously, he's very close totally to McCarthy. I mean, I'm just putting that out there. Like, I, I, My job is to make sure people have the relevant and necessary information. So I'm you know, doing that here. I just think you're in denial. I think that, again, just to be clear, I'm not saying that like Dak's shoulder is going to fall off and he's not going to, and he's going to miss playing time or anything. I just think this is, I think it's more than nothing. It's not a non issue. You can't tell me it's a non issue. So, it's definitely more than a non issue. I agree. And, and we've had, um, so people listening to this show on the blog and the boys network, it's Wednesday later on today, you get a new episode of talking to star. Uh, one of the hosts on that show is Connor Livesy. He had a really great way of putting it on Twitter last week. Um, his point was generally, look, I don't think this is a 0% issue, but I don't think it's a, you know, yeah. and I know, I don't think you're saying this BLG, but like, it's yes. not a, like the sky is falling sort of thing, because if he truly was a hundred percent, you know, he would right. be, he would be playing right now. But, this is the NFL where, like, nobody's ever 100%. You could certainly say that. Um, sure. I, I will say, I know I mentioned Tom Pelissero, but all of the local media and the Cowboys themselves and everybody who has spoken about this are the people who generally are very optimistic about this. Granted, some of those people do have a vested interest in this, uh, but mm -hmm. the... Just for again, for the purposes of context, the only real like stoking of the flame, not saying that that was intentional, um, has come from national reporters who aren't as closely affiliated with the team. Is my point. So, I'm of a couple minds here. One of the, one thing I think about is how the Colts lied, and I'm not saying it's you know identical and like Dak's going to miss the season. The Cowboys lied last year. At this time last year, Lyle Collins was totally right. fine. He was exactly. super fine. Everything was great, and then he missed the whole season. Yeah, I'm not even trying to call out the Colts like as a team. Like teams do this in general. Right. This is why I'm skeptical. Like this is a common NFL practice to downplay things, and it's actually a more serious issue. I've seen it with the Eagles. I've seen I've seen this a lot. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that I was going to say to you in the Slack this week, and I was like, I'm going to save it for the podcast. You always oh, got to save it for the pod. I know. Tell me, RJ, do you really believe? Like so. So this is. I'm going to frame it a different way before I lead into what I'm going to ask you. So Jalen Rager this year. He shows up to Eagles training camp. He fails his physical. He doesn't really look good early in camp. And I'm just like, I'm looking at this all, and I'm saying to myself, this doesn't mean that Jalen Rager can't take a step forward this year or rebound or improve. But, like, ask yourself this. 
Like, do you believe this is really Jalen Rager's breakout year after you're seeing the start? Like, do you really believe that? Maybe it, maybe you do. And more power to you, I guess, if you – but, like, to me, I can't believe that. So to flip this around to the Cowboys and Dak, I am asking you because it, I see a lot of hype. I see, like and, – and, and I think this year is significant for the Cowboys, you know, having all those wide receivers here. Like, this is – they have to strike the iron while it's hot now. This isn't – I know Dak is young. He's going to be around for a long time. But, like, they have a window. They have an opportunity in a weekend NFCs too, to do this right. now. And it, so, like, I think this is a very relevant question – like, is this really Dak's MVP year? Is this like the Cowboys? Is this how the story of the Cowboys Super Bowl season for the first time since the Dark Ages? Like, <laughs> is this how it starts? Is this that's my question? Is I think I love the I love putting it like, is this the intro scene to the Super Bowl DVD? You know what I mean? Like Dak getting hurt or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so I I want to be clear about something. I've said this a lot on our shows, on our YouTube channel places. I don't think that Dak is going to like set records this year. And I don't think that what he was doing last year was sustainable from a statistical perspective. Um, mm-hmm. I do I do think and trust and believe that they will be successful. And I think he will be a huge part of that. But the plan is not for him to have this gaudy season. Like last week I wrote about this. I think we talked about it. I can't forget. Everything blends together now. But ESPN um, ranked, I guess, the likelihood of different quarterbacks throwing for 6,000 yards this season. Now that there's a 17th game, because that's possible, whatever. And Dak Prescott was the first or most likely to be able to do it. And they had this formula for like what's necessary. Like you have to, you know, be good, right? You have to have like a great offense, an efficient offense. You have to have a bad defense. And like Dak fits those categories. However, that's not what the Cowboys want to do. And they don't like they don't want to like establish the run, but they do want to run the ball. They do want to be balanced and they want to play solid defense. And I I've I've brought this up a thousand times. Do you know BLG through the first seven games of last season, how many times the Cowboys began a possession on the yeah, positive side of the fifty yard line? Once. So, so that's what yeah. like so people that look, I think, um, you know, uh, so like I had my uh fantasy league of record draft last night monday night we're recording tuesday evening um and my cousin took Dak super high super early. he's a cowboys fan obviously and i was just like dude no like this this isn't you know like i wouldn't pay the fantasy price you have to pay to get Dak because the defense will be better you know what i mean like he won't have to go 75 80 77 yards like every single time either the defense will force three and outs or or punts earlier or generate turnovers or whatever so like even if he is really good which i think he will be i think that a number of different factors lend themselves to him being different um or, or rather the the perception of him being different and that's why i do think even like i could envision a world like we talk about like seeing a path i could see the cowboys being three and one or four and one and Dak not having the same statistical success and people being like what happened you know like why why is he only throwing for 280 yards a game or something it's like yeah well they're, they're playing different they're playing a different game like that's the thing they want to play a different game and so it's unideal that like this is the beginning obviously but the soft landing of it all is that like her- heroic deck is not as necessary or shouldn't be as necessary this year. I agree with that in terms of like being the, you know, the ideal model to win, but I don't know. I think he's, he's going to have to be somewhat like that though. And, and honestly, quite frankly, you're paying him to be that kind of player. Not again, not quite the player he was last season, but you know, you're, you're going to need him to pull his weight quite a bit. I mean, you're not like this isn't, you know, the Steelers or something where you're just like relying on the defense or whatever, or Washington football team, uh, if you will. 
Um, so I've just been thinking about that, about Dak. And again, putting all the source stuff aside, you have Chris Sims out here, a former quarterback, talking about how the throwing motion looks different. And I saw you had something on that with Mark Schofield, who, shout out, is also on the Leading Your Nation podcast feed with Rachel. Um, so uh, I, I looked at, I didn't watch those videos that you put out because I, I honestly haven't had the time, but I kind of skimmed through and saw what you had written. And apparently there were some noticeable changes in there. So... Mark Schofield, who, and I think you would vouch for this BLG, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of the more informed quarterback evaluators on the internet. Former college quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's he is he is really, really, he, he does this better than anybody else, um, is my assessment at least. And uh, spoiler alert here, uh, nobody really knows this. Mark's going to be doing a DAC analysis piece every week at blogofthevoice.com wow, no this season. And uh, there will be a video component to that too. So um, you can go watch uh, my sit down with him on the Blog on the Voice YouTube channel. And we did, BLG, we looked at uh, some of DAC Wait, in 2018. Hold on a second. Because Mark does these for Big Blue View, I feel like, for Daniel Jones, too. So now we have him doing for Daniel Jones and he's, Zach. That's his thing, dude. He's the quarterback guy. You know so what I mean? we got to get him on the mixtape. Okay. Anyway, sorry um, to interrupt. So, so uh, we looked at, at Dak's throwing mechanics. And, and these have evolved, just like generally, because, you know, Dak has grown uh, as a quarterback. But um, we looked at the way – and these were – it's important to – we say this in the video – it's important to note that the the footage we looked at from this season is Dak throwing pregame, and he, you know, so things aren't different. He's not like stepping into throws. Um, sure. You can see how he's getting closer to the motion that we saw late 2019 when he had really evolved, when John Kitna's you know working with him had really taken off, and last year in 2020 before he got hurt. Obviously, um, you can see Mark talked about how there are some slight. You know, when it comes to injuries like this, how quarterbacks can overcompensate. And he was talking about where you can see him maybe doing that. Not that he is doing it, but where he could tend to do that if he ultimately does. Um, and the ultimate sort of fallout from that, like if, you know, one of the things is the release point, you know, because Dak has this kind of like great windup where he releases it like at the very top, you know, with his arm fully extended. Um, and so some things we've seen in the past are a little, not quite a sidearm type of throw, but a little bit more angled. And so if you're throwing it lower, if the velocity is lower, those are going to get batted down. Those aren't going to travel as far, different things like that. But um, ultimately, Mark's assessment was that Dak looks great and is going to have a great season. So boom, roasted. Okay. Well. I always appreciate Mark's thoughts being strong there for the first time <laughs> in his life. Um, yeah, but that's kind of still that kind of point raised by Chris Sims is that's the kind of thing I'm wondering about too. And also how like, it's not just about like, okay, Dak hurt his ankle. Is he going to be able to run? Like, yeah, he will. He'll be fine. But like how, cause I've seen it with Carson Wentz, like a big reason I think why Carson Wentz was hurt in 2018 wasn't necessarily like he was coming off the ACL injury, but like his knee wasn't bothering him. Like he was healed from that, but because of the impact of the ACL injury, he was overcompensating a lot and his back, he was in like tremendous pain because of his, like all that. So, so, you know, one injury can throw a different part of your body out of whack basically. And that's something I think to keep on the horizon. Like it might even be about the shoulder and him being able to do that. And then everything's like fine, but like something else could be affected or whatever. That's, that's all the kind of things that I'm bringing up. But the other thing, I want to bring up that you're lying to about yourself. Did you listen to the podcast, by the way, yet? I haven't finished it, um, okay. but I have I have one thought on it that I actually think will make you sad, but I'll tell you off air. <laughs> so, uh, okay, uh, interesting. Um, now the listeners are going to be wondering. Um, and I will, did you I will tell you, I shared it with stats, and he apologized. So okay. just uh, a did bit of a foreshadowing. That I, so you heard the part where I called you out then, or no? I have not gotten. I've only listened to like the oh, first man. seven minutes, so really, it's, it's not okay. on my to do list. Honestly, if the podcast is if I get to it, sort of thing. 
yeah, you're lying because you reference it like 50 <laughs> times on the look ahead. That's fine. I just like you're lying about being an Eagles fan um, or not being an Eagles fan. Uh, so, RJ, I said I was listening to you talk to stats on the look ahead last week about Mike McCarthy and defending him. And look, we've had a lot of Mike McCarthy discussions, so I feel like we don't need to relitigate all of it here because we're probably just going to be repeating ourselves. But this is what I on, this is how I honestly felt, RJ. I'm all about vibes. I'm all about. Uh, feelings like all this is oh, very no. stuff. And when I was listening to you talk about Mike McCarthy, like I know you, I've known you for some time now. <laughs> like, I know you don't actually believe in him. I know it. I know you're lying. I know you act. I, I can tell it. I, I'm listening to it in your voice, and you don't actually believe what you're saying. I know you want to believe what you're saying, but you don't actually fully believe what you're saying because I, I know you're smarter than that. So uh so respond so let me be clear um stats on last week's episode of the look ahead for everyone who is curious was bagging on mccarthy for how he came across in hard knocks i think that's like that that is a silly thing you know no but you know whatever and so i will say from like a i am a dallas cowboys fan perspective I don't believe in Mike. Like my belief in Mike McCarthy is not as high as the peak that it was under Jason Garrett. But some of that is, you know, like Jason Garrett was around the Cowboys for a long time. You know what I mean? It's like from like Jason Garrett became the Cowboys offensive coordinator when I was still in high school. So like I, you know, like my attachment to Jason Garrett as a Cowboys fan began at a really impressionable age. And so like mm-hmm. I, I am older now, like, you know, like we are still fans, but like we have a lot of obligations that we do here. So like, you know, the fourth wall has been broken a little bit for me, like more so under the Mike McCarthy era. So it's harder to like fall in love. Does that make sense? And I think that that affects my energy. Maybe you're hearing Is that like, I feel like that's a really introspective point. I think maybe that's some oh, of it. Oh, DLG agrees. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's all of it, though. I, I think you genuinely, like, I think you just know that you're, it's kind of like, honestly, if I'm going to be reflective about it, it's how I felt about Carson Wentz at a certain point. I mean, I did believe in him because I saw him in practice and I, I thought he had a lot of talent, but like everyone's doubts about him who was out in Carson Wentz and, you know, when Cowboys fans would make fun of him, there was enough like doubt there deep down that like I wouldn't obviously admit to or express, but like I could feel it deep down that like, what if they're right? It wasn't like, uh, so like that's, and that's not for everyone. Like for example, like I love Joel Embiid. Like there's nothing anyone can say about him that like makes me think like, Oh no, they might be right. Ben Simmons is better. Yeah. Okay. So like, <laughs> like that, like that doesn't fade. Like you can't troll me when it comes to Joe. Like I like, there's nothing you can say that's gonna make me like doubt him. But like, but when you have a player or a coach who like you know like isn't as good as you want them to be, then some of those things like can hurt. And you might not show it, but like deep down, or or not hurt in the sense of like you're feeling pain, but like you know that that doubt is real. It's there, and like you're like crap. Like what if they're right? Because they might be right, and I don't want them to be right. I hope they're really wrong, but like they might be. They they might be right, and I feel like that's where you are. But so I I am kind of like Jalen Hurts. I am at a really experimental phase with McCarthy because of the reasons I've said many times that last year was such a, a off year for everyone in the world. I realize that um, I think his situation is unique. And so I'm excited. To, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see that might be a more fair word uh, to use. I, so I, I am intrigued by that to kind of see, to understand, to figure out, to assess, to analyze, to be able to draw a more legitimate conclusion. I do think 
that Mike McCarthy is an easy target for people. And so I think that people take like what happened on hard knocks and yeah, his speech was kind of whatever. And so they're like, Oh, he is clearly a terrible head coach. And I think that the thing that people utilize or use against him more than anything is, Oh, he, he was only ever great because of Aaron Rodgers. I am in no way doubting or denying that having Aaron Rodgers makes you a better head coach than not having one. But the idea that he's just this or was or remains this incompetent head coach that happened to just be lucky enough to be surrounded by Aaron Rodgers. Like the truth is the truth is often more so in the middle of all extremes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, I I'm, I'm not even saying like he's like a great coach or anything, but like, I, I think the truth is far and away not near the spectrum that a lot of people paint him to be. And he is, he's, you know, he's a, a character, you know what I mean? That people like to bag on. And so they do. And he's, he's kind of, to me, uh, like from a character baggable standpoint, um, did you watch Breaking Bad? I don't think we've ever talked about this. I did, yes. He's like Skylar White. Like every episode, it was just like, mm. what, what, what reason can I find to further hate this character? You know what I mean? And, and that's, who Mike McCarthy is for a lot of general NFL fans. And so, yeah, that's frustrating to like put up with. And so like, maybe there is this like overcompensation on my end. My back is hurting. Uh, But because I'm trying to to keep equilibrium, you know what I mean? Because it keeps getting tilted so much in one direction. I agree with you in the sense of, and I think, you know, I don't think as well that like McCarthy is like, the worst head coach in the NFL or because he did something on hard knocks that like he sucks as a head coach. Like just because of that. I mean, I think that does definitely like there, there is like a buffoonery about him that is, that is real. And I don't think necessarily matters because I think you could be that kind of person, like kind of just like a goofy kind of person. Like Doug Peterson was like that. Doug Peterson was goofy, but he won a freaking Super Bowl. Um, so I think you can kind of have that and still be good. I don't think it's necessarily disqualifying because of that. Obviously, I don't think it, it looks worse when you're not good because then it's, those things are going to look related. Like, oh, this guy has no idea what he's doing. He's in over his head. Um, yeah, but I don't think he's bad because of those things and those things alone. Uh, so you didn't listen to the podcast yet. And <laughs> I'm, some people here haven't listened to it, but I'll spoil this for you. I have Mike McCarthy fourth on my list of seven head coaches most likely to be fired. And can I guess the the three in front of him? Yeah, you can. Um Matt Nagy. That's number 3. Um hmm. You wouldn't go a new head coach. No. This is um hmm. Hmm. Zach Taylor. Have, Zach Taylor. That's number 1. And and the final Cl- pick is Cliff Kingsbury. Yep, that's number two. So nice. bingo, you got it. Um, but yeah, I, McCarthy I am playing. awesome. Good, good job. <laughs> and, and McCarthy has four years left on his deal, so I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Just because that's that's so long. P- people um, ask me that all the time. Like, is he on the hot seat? I don't like. They would they would have to be bad. And like, because people, well, people, but like, you know, the, you you get this question a lot too. People say like, well, what do they have to do? They have to go to like the the you know NFC Championship game. Okay, like. How did like how do they lose the divisional round? Like, do they lose like on a weird call? You know, do they lose because right. they get blown out like fifty to nothing? Like that context matters. Like, did they win the wild card game because a penalty got picked up or something? So like, yeah, they they like would the have Lions to, game. yeah, they would have to be like a an like a an S show, not, like not just bad. You know, like they would have to implode from like a, a mm-hmm. chemistry standpoint for him to be fired. I think, um, it, and the uh, the juxtaposition with that, Sean Payton would have to be available. That's that's the only like way you can sell it, or the way Jerry would sell it. I think. 
It's possible. Possible scenario after this year. That's not impossible. Um, yeah, so I don't think it's just about the Rodgers thing. I think part of it to me is that like he just hasn't been a good head coach in a while in terms of like results. Like he's 17, 26, and one in his last three seasons. I know there's some extenuating circumstances, very relevant ones in that situation, but like bottom line is he has not been a good head coach for multiple seasons now. So that's kind of a concern. And that's where the discussion comes from. Um, and I also think like the hype level is why I had him this high. Cause I think there is a lot of hype about how the Cowboys are like clearly the favorite in the NFC East because of the quarterback and everything. And I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And so kind of like to your point about the S show and everything, uh, I just, I don't think they're, I, I think, I don't think this is likely, but again, if we're talking about non-zero chances, you look at how the Cowboys open up. It's at the Bucks, it's at the Chargers. That's zero and two, as you know. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's say the Eagles steal a win on Monday Night Football, which would be very embarrassing for the Cowboys at that point if that happened, because they'd be zero and three and they'd be losing their home opener to a divisional rival who was perceived to be a lesser team than them. That would be like a really bad loss in that spot for the Cowboys, and then they might bounce back there because they get the the, um, the Panthers at home, the Giants at home. Those should be two wins. Uh, but then they get Patriots, and I don't think the Cowboys are going to fire Mike McCarthy after six games. But let's say, like, let's say they somehow only win one of those games, and like they they go zero and two. Dak plays in the third game, but then he's like the shoulder thing appears again, and all of a sudden you're looking at Carolina right now and the Giants like easy wins. But let's say it's Cooper Rush who has to play against those teams, and it's only like those two weeks, and then Dak comes back. Let's say for the Patriots game, and then they lose because he's maybe still rusty or you're going to New England, whatever. I just think like at that point. What if the worst think... conceivable thing happens? <laughs> What's well, the result here? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the context of this list was like most likely to be fired. I'm, I was outlining sure. the scenario where I think at that point, like, I don't think it is likely Jerry pulls the plug at that point, but I think like because of what happened last year, and if those same kind of voices start to pop up in terms of like players are complaining and things kind of get ugly at the start, I think there could be like a, a moment of like, what if I messed up? Like, what if like, this was a bit, like, I need to pull the plug now because like, this just isn't it. This isn't what I was thought I was getting. And I see it going trending in a bad way. And again, going back to what I said earlier in terms of like, they have this window right now with these receivers and the, and Zeke and everything in place right now. Like we need to win. We need to make a change right now. Like we don't have the time to play it out for the rest of the season. Dan Quinn, you're the head coach now. I think I think Kellen Moore would maybe be in line first. My dog agrees. Um, well, whoever, but yeah. But so I have two thoughts as he stabilizes here. Um, so Mike McCarthy last week, actually, BLG, you have a thought while my microphone goes on. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, because uh, Bear is really trying to weigh in. Um, RJ, you should introduce Bear to WildNaturePet.com, uh, where you can get the best dog treats. By using discount code BGN15. Amazing. Actually. So uh, amazing. Yeah, okay. Really, anyway, yeah. so I have two <laughs> I have two final thoughts on uh, on this. My last week, Mike McCarthy uh, sat down with members of the local media and spoke to them about you know just a number of things. And coaches a little bit more authentic in those environments, as, as you know. And he said two things that I thought, and and every member of the local media wrote about this in fantastic spaces, Dallas morning news, USA today, the athletic, I mean, highly encouraged reading all of them. Uh, but two things that really stood out to me. One, he didn't say that he was in over his head as being the head coach of the Cowboys, but like, and, and the thought was like, hope not. <laughs> but like the thought was like, Oh, this guy came from the green Bay Packers, right? Like he knows, you know, about a big stage, whatever Randall Cobb, 
after the Cowboys' first regular season game, when he was a member of the Cowboys, said that that was like a playoff level of media for the Green Bay Packers. You know what I mean? And I think that Mike McCarthy didn't, and because it's hard. Like I, something I, Jason Garrett always understood that part of the job. He would have been such a great like CEO of the Dallas Cowboys because he understood the you know, the presentation that comes with the job. And he understood the kind of shaking hands and kissing babies part of the job. And, and you know, obviously failed the football part of it. But I don't think that Mike McCarthy got that. And I think that that was evidenced by, you know, like his first press conference when he when he said like, oh, I actually didn't watch every game. You know, like I just said that to get the job. He had a lot of moments of hubris last year. Um, he talked, he was asked, you know, early in the season when they were having tackle issues, if they should kick Zach Martin out to right tackle, he said, look, this isn't fantasy football. You can't do it. Literally the next Sunday they had to do it. And Zach Martin was awesome at right tackle. Also, there's, there's no offensive lineman in fantasy football. That's true. Um, well, you know, weird leagues, by the way, in my league of record that I had the draft for, um, I ended up with both Kenny Galladay and Terry McLaurin. So bummer that we didn't get to talk about them today, but anyway, um, so I think he, I think he gets that in a different way now, you know, like experiencing the spotlight. It is different. And I know like every Eagles fan rolls their eyes, like whatever it is different. Um, And so I'm excited to see how more measured he is. Um, For example, today, the day we're recording the Cowboys um, or no, yesterday on Monday, the Cowboys added three players to their COVID list, their, their reserve COVID list. They have four there total in total right now. And he was pressed like four times for those names. He said, yeah, I mean, you know, you'll get him later. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a no BS kind of dude. And, you know, I think he's gotten a little bit hardened, you know, being the Cowboys head coach. That was the first thing. But the thing that impressed me the most was he, he spoke about why he wanted to keep Kellen Moore. And he talked about how he did not want to impact Dak. He talked about how, like, that is the most important thing is to get your franchise quarterback to, to, to have everything around him. He said, I don't want Dak to be learning new offenses, new playbooks, new jargon, new languages, new whatever. I wanted that to be as seamless as possible. Obviously, like it, he, I don't, he wasn't like belittling Kellen. Like, oh, Kellen only is here because he is Dax dude. But like he was saying, mm-hmm. I I want to you know exacerbate the strength of this here, and I, like that takes a humble person. Not every coach is willing to do that. And so again, I'm not saying this is proof that Mike McCarthy is the greatest coach of all time, but those are encouraging things a couple of weeks away from the season opener. All right, so I think we both had good venting thoughts on the Eagles I think we vented like this was you know I felt like we went out for ice cream you know what I mean and we just were calm what cool kind of ice cream? um we definitely went and got waffle bowls you know what I mean because mm. I, I would I would eat this and it, it wasn't froyo but it was like the kind where you can no. get multiple toppings you know what I'm saying like we we went through and they like like you know how marble slab they like you know put so, it all oh, yeah in. so like a cold stone kind of deal here yeah what would go in yours what would what flavor cream would you get and what would go inside well, I go with uh, at Cold Stone specifically. I get the uh, peanut butter cup perfection because they actually put like real peanut butter in there. Are you um, a chunky or smooth guy? I mean, come on, got to be smooth. Oh, terrible! Absolutely terrible. Chunky is terrible. Just why? Do, do you like pulp in your <laughs> orange juice as well? No, it's different. No, it's the same thing. There's chunks. <laughs> I like the crunch though. I don't like the chew of the pulp. Mm. Yeah, I don't like my things to have things in them. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, um, I'm, so tired, I'm gonna go to bed. Any, honestly, right after this, so uh, we will discuss the, the New York Giants and the Washington Football Team with some friends uh, next week. Um, next week's the last 
NFC's mixtape before the regular season, BLG. So uh, very exciting uh, stuff. No. Yeah, because I what what I mean is like two mixtapes from now will be week one. That's what I mean. Like, okay, you know, yeah. Like, so that's Not what before I'm a game. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Still, but and still two to go to before a game. It will actually be on the eve of Cowboys kickoff. So we're gonna have to talk a lot about the Cowboys, which you love All right. to do. Um, everybody, we love you. BLG will take you out for ice cream. And BLG, as always, you get the last word. Make it great. No.